Kevin Lee lost due to tapping. 165 pounds needs to happen. With the fired selections and the fired reflections, this is fighting with myself. Oh, 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 fighting with myself. Oh, 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 yeah. What's happening, everybody? I'm coming in hot. This is Juice, your host for the Fighting With Myself podcast, a podcast for the average MMA fan, hosted by an above-average man. And I am that man. I am so glad to be back um, sharing my thoughts for you guys. Had to take last weekend off, obviously, because I was getting married. Um, won't uh, spare too many details on here, although there is a question about it later. Uh, but my other podcast, which I've been ha- having with my friend Andrew for about a year, uh, it's called Mixed Martial Opinions. Um, I've talked about it on here before, but basically it's just a podcast where... Um, we talk, we talk about our life bullshit, and and then at the end, I try and convince him to like MMA because he's not an MMA fan. Um, we talked about um, we talked about the wedding on that podcast, so so look for that to drop soon. The the most recent episode on that podcast is uh, uh, we recorded before the bachelor party, so a bunch of drunk dudes not giving a fuck uh, makes for good comedy, I think. Anyway, uh, I had a good time recording, and it, and it was uh, it was pretty funny to listen back. Um, and then, um, in a week or so, we'll drop the wedding recap on that podcast. But, um, just want to start recapping a little bit of the fights. Um, they were going on during my wedding, so I had to go back and rewatch later. Um, so obviously I didn't get my picks, although we did kind of do some last minute picks on, uh, on that, um, uh, MMO episode. Um, but, uh. Kevin Lee looked looked pretty good for his first time at 170, but going back to obviously my thoughts on it, um, you can tell from the opening that I really think they need to make the 165 pound division, and it sucks too because he wanted to weigh in at 165, and his opponent RDA is also a former uh, 155 pounder who has moved up to 170 and is smaller than like 90 percent of the guys at 170, and after the fight he was like. Yeah, I wish they would uh, make that division, but I'm not going to make agreements with my enemies, which I get. I mean, if you're going to be locked in a cage with somebody and and they're like, oh, uh, how about, you know, we make a gentleman's agreement to weigh in, you know, a few pounds under before the fight. I mean, first off, you're making a gamble that one of them, if one of them misses, then you're jeopardizing the whole thing uh, it, because they're actually fighting in New York and the New York Athletic Commission has a rule that the opponents cannot fight. Like if one of them misses badly, you know, you can't fight if you're not within, I want to say five pounds, but it could be seven. Um, we first heard about this rule when Chago Alves fought Jim Miller at UFC 205 for the first big um, MMA card in New York. Might have been the first ever because um, it was just after they legalized it. And Thiago missed weight badly, and Jim Miller had to gain. He hadn't weighed in yet. Thankfully, they were able to save the fight, so he had to gain like three pounds before weighing in, um, just so that he could fight the guy. And Cowboy lost his fight with Kelvin Gastelum that way. So I like you're taking a huge gamble, but at the same time, it sucks to say that and, and then say, "Yeah, I do wish they'd they'd open up 165 though." Like. That was your opportunity to, to get something going. Um, 
Although, of course, they shouldn't have to do that. You know, uh, the, the UFC should just recognize that. And Dana has been very adamant about it. And usually whenever Dana says no, they eventually give in. Like the women's flyweight division, he was like, no. Women's featherweight, he said no. Even women in general fighting in the octagon, he was like, will never happen. Then signs Ronda Rousey. So you know it's going to come at some point. But he did take us. I mean, he's taken several hard stances against 165. And again, that's Dana's thing. Like, look with the whole Greg Hardy thing, he just doubles down. Greg Hardy looked terrible on his debut, lost by DQ. And he's like, oh, yeah, well, the guy can fight. I mean, he just, he likes to be that fucking naysayer. Um, but he did say um, something about 165 um, that made me think they really have no plans on doing it anytime soon. It just depends. But the the guys that are at the t- at the at the top of one fifty five and one seventy that would go either go up or move down um, to one sixty five that that's mostly the top five at the moment or or top ten top fifteen like not a lot of in betweeners are in the um, you know fifteen through thirty guys or whatever uh, so. I think he's thinking he'll lose a lot of star power. So we just got to, it's something you got to take the plunge. You got to build, build those fights and build, the UFC builds stars. I mean, their marketing machine is, is some of the best out there. So I, I kind of think that's a bit of a cop out, but again, I see like from a business standpoint, like it doesn't make too much sense. Like Dana's a gambler by trade. Like he lives in Las Vegas. He plays blackjack probably every fucking weekend or maybe even during the week. Um, so degenerate, but uh, a good gambler doesn't gamble, you know, <laughs> they assess the risk. So I kind of don't think they're going to make it happen anytime soon, but I would like to, um, I've talked about it before in this podcast, you make 165 and then you, uh, you know, make that division, call it super lightweight or whatever you want, or just say 165 pounds. And then you make Walter weight 175. You tell me those guys wouldn't want an extra five pounds, even if you decide to stay. Like if if you decide to stay, that means everyone's getting the five pounds, dude. It's a win-win, I think. So, I really hope that happens. And then just just some other thoughts on the on the fight, uh, man. Ian Heinish is legit. Um, going against Shoe Face, like that's that's no easy task. And Ian Heinish, if you don't know his story, you should look it up. Uh, he did an interview right before his uh, UFC debut with, I think, the player's voice. And what they do is they interview you, get your – it's it's sort of a biography kind of feel. Get your life story or at least – like not your whole life story but a good chunk usually um, how, how it relates to your career or whatever because they do with a lot of uh, athletes. And um, they retell it in the first person as if that so in other words they're not just recording and then talking to the third person because they're going to be more articulate so they use that person's words and and make it more articulate because it like i I watched his interview with ariel hawani right after his debut and he basically said the same thing but i was like well he's saying it like super casual and it doesn't like seem like he is like as it wasn't doesn't seem as crazy as in the article and you read the article and he's like yeah i was in rikers i had to make a shank like there was all these crazy things and he was like overseas in prison and um in the in the canary islands in spain i mean just just a hell of a story and it kind of makes me think like 
he can never lose almost <laughs> like he's just been through too much to fucking, you know, a fist fight in the octagon's like, yeah, no problem. So, um, I love that guy and I want to, I want to see him do well. Um, Felicia Spencer, dude, is the truth. I mean, I'm sure a lot of you guys are on the bandwagon after that fight and I'm going to count myself one of those. I mean, that was awesome. And Megan Anderson's like six foot or six one. And she's like, I think she's six foot even. Felicia Spencer's five six. And she was like, yeah, no problem. That ain't no problem. And uh, got the rear naked choke. But it kind of sucks for her. Like she, her record is kind of shallow. Like she's undefeated, but it's not like, you know, 15 and 0, whatever. It's like, it's under 10. I think it's six and 0 now. I mean, she had some amateur fights as well, but um, the only person in her division in, in the UFC is Cyborg. And... <laughs> You probably are going to think, oh, Cyborg got exposed by Amanda. Uh, I'm not so sure about that. I think, yeah, Amanda clipped her guns blazing. And I think Amanda showed that, you know, she can be more composed in a firefight than than Cyborg, or at least in that moment. But I, I just think they both have crazy power and were willing to basically slug it out like heavyweights to where, you know, one punch can change everything. And it did. Um so I really think like Cyborg can give Felicia a lot of problems. Now, obviously, if Felicia can weather that storm, it's a different story. But, you know, who knows if they're even going to make that fight. So I don't want to talk about it too much. But my point was to say, you know, a fighter like that, exciting, finishes, uh, you know, she's from from Canada. They want to build that market. Um, although I recently found out she was born in Canada, but grew up in Florida. So she's like, well, I'm not so Canadian as they try to put out there. I mean, come on fly the flag at least you know but uh you want to build them up you know you want to i mean like like megan anderson are both they're both kind of prospects so they they kind of took a risk in that you're gonna have to kill one of them but you know they need to give her more they need to start signing more featherweights i mean macy chasson won won the uh ultimate fighter at featherweight is like yeah my coaches think i can do well at bantamweight so i'm gonna go to bantamweight and they just like okay I mean, if you're going to have a whole Ultimate Fighter season to try and build that division, build the division, goddammit. I mean, get, get some more girls. I mean, Bellator's got a fair stable of featherweights, and obviously they just signed Leslie Smith. Um, she's fighting, um, I think, close to my birthday. Um, really excited for that. And, uh, you know, Invictus still got featherweights. Just, just, Just do something, man. Find them. They're out there. But I guess that's my thoughts on, on the weekend's fights, uh, or last weekend's fights, rather. But we got a lot to get into with current events because uh, there was a lot to fucking catch up on. So I want to get into that. Um, take a quick break, and we'll be right back. All right, let's get right into these current events. This is obviously... Um, so whenever some news drops in um, in in the mixed martial arts world... Um, I make a note of it so that we can talk about it on the podcast or I can talk about it and y'all can listen. Um, and so this is all stuff from basically that dropped after I recorded last episode, you know, before the uh, Rochester fights. So there is some old stuff. Um, you know, obviously I'm not breaking any news here, uh, but if you didn't hear it or whatever, you want to hear my take on it, this is what that's for. Um, right off the bat, I wanted to talk about something that, uh, I believe it's um, Cody Labney is the gentleman um, tagged me on Twitter. I guess they were having this thread. He was arguing with some guy 
uh, about Rose and Pat Barry's relationship, and then they start talking about fighter pay. To be honest, it was a little convoluted. Like it just started going back and forth, and 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 all these things started coming out. So I was like, uh, I don't know uh, where to start here. But that was what I gleaned from that was was basically they were talking about um, Rose and Pat Barry's relationship, and um, eventually started talking about fighter pay. Um, now, a lot of people say so. So Pat Barry has been in Rose's life for a long time. She she started at the gym. I believe she was. They were both training at Rufus Sport with Anthony Pettis and Duke Rufus for a while. That's where she's from. Um, I think that's where Pat Barry's from as well in that area. Anyway, at least he was training there. And obviously now they train in Denver. But um, I think that's where they met. And because they're now engaged and they've had this long relationship, people kind of assume that he was dating her when she was underage, and and there was some like. I don't know, statutory stuff involved in that, which I'm not like, I kind of think that's their business and, you know, mental health issues aside, Rose seems to be a a very happy person and I don't, I don't want to get into anyone's relationship. I don't want to call Pat Barry a predator or anything like that. I mean, Pat Barry seems like an awesome dude. And they start talking about his drug addiction and that he was like, oh, he's just a pill popper preying on her. I mean, pump the bricks. Like, I don't know if, if they, whoever said that was talking about what I'm about to talk about or, or, or that's how they knew about it or they just knew about it from other ways. But like Pat Berry was open about his addiction to uh, pills, basically like, um, I think it was like, it's just like like pain medication, like pain, pain relieving pills. Um, he talked about it on episode 400 of the MMA hour back when Ariel Hawani was hosting it. And if you have, if you're at all interested and Rose and Pepper, like almost always do interviews together, like at least they'll be in the room and and the other one will like chime in. And, and it was actually Pat Barry was the guest for that. You know, Ariel really wanted to bring him on, I guess, two years prior to that. Um, or 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 sometime prior to that, Errol had gotten him on the show, and then the day of uh, they're about to record, um, he texted him said, "Hey, sorry, bro, can't gum, got a problem." And I, I think he had said that he was like shitting blood or something, which they talked about in episode four hundred, and that was when it was like at its worst. And for for someone who is an addict to publicly I mean, on, 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 on as public a platform as our sport has, as, you know, Ariel's show, it's a lot. And I think he deserves a lot of credit for that. I think it was very big of him. He was talking about how he was done with that. He wants to be a better man for Rose and all these things. And they talked about the relationship. It's an awesome interview. If you're at all a fan of, of Rose or Pat, um, check that interview out and I did not get at all from, from that and from every other interaction I've had that there's any sort of like unhealthiness about their relationship. And they've talked about how they, they went, uh, you know, or I think overseas to plant trees together and stuff like part of this, almost like the Peace Corps or something. And they, they do good together. They've got a Lithuania together. There's, there's, there's so much good things I like about their relationship. And even at the uh, press conference that they had in Atlanta, uh, 
during the fight week of 236, but it was to promote the upcoming fights. And and her and uh, Jessica Andrade were were there. And uh, I think it was Ariel that asked her, you know, because her last loss was to Karolina Kovalkiewicz, and it was in the arena at Atlanta. And for that fight, Pat was not in her corner. And Ariel was like, how does it feel to be back in the same building that you had your last loss? Are you looking to exercise those demons, et cetera, et cetera? And she said, well, last time I was here, I didn't have Pat. And it felt like I was missing my leg, like missing part of my heart. And first of all, very sweet, touching moment. And like, and they cut to Pat and he's like smiling and laughing. And, you know, who who is anyone of, of us to judge them? So... Uh, just wanted to get that out there as far as the other stuff they were talking about the fighter pay uh, I mean yeah if you're a fan of fighting you want them to make as much money as possible and honestly the Reebok deal kills a lot of that now it does make it easier for like new up and coming fighters they get pretty much a guaranteed sponsor and they have to do all these fight obligations but it's also a way that the ufc can monopolize and have control of it i mean they distribute the money it's not from reebok reebok gave like a billion something dollars or whatever the deal was to the ufc and the ufc distributes it as they see fit with these tiers and then now they have like a fight week obligation clause where you have to like do your media and show up and those things. Otherwise they can take that away. And there's all these like equipment violations. And to be honest, one is one of my least favorite things about the UFC is the Reebok deal. Uh, and we'll also get into it a little bit later. They also don't allow their athletes really to, to do other things uh, like box or, I mean, they did let Connor do it and now they kind of open the gates a little bit because now they kind of prove, but there's other things they could be doing to, to make money like in the off season, not off season, but you know, when they're out of, out of camp in between fights that they can't do and other sponsorship opportunities that they could be taking advantage of. And they're not allowed that. And it sucks too, because the, the highest earning potential you have in MMA is to get the UFC title and, and get those pay-per-view points and, and the, uh, the extra money that goes with it. When you, when you're fighting for a title, you get more money to start like your your base pay is higher so sucks for rose that she's not getting that anymore though um interesting interview with jessica andrage on the mma hour or not the well not anymore it's ariel hawani show uh she basically said she would give a rematch to rose even though rose isn't really calling for it she just was like you know she didn't she, i mean it was translated and it was translated by her manager but you know she sounded like like the from, from what little because i I speak like probably 50% Spanish and um, Spanish and Portuguese are very close. So I could glean some things from it before the translation. And it sounded like she was pretty sincere. Uh, she said she would, she was like, well, you know, Rose didn't have to come to my home territory as a champion. I'll, I'm willing to go to go to Denver and give her a rematch. I thought that was very cool. Um, you know, and obviously she's probably hearing some of the things people are saying online about it being a fluke or not a fluke, but like, you know, just just a brute force KO from the slam and all these things. And some people think it should be illegal, but it was not. Uh, you know, all those things. She, she probably wants to shut up the doubters. Uh, but, you know, it's a long line of contenders. I honestly don't think the UFC is going to try and make that rematch. You know, you got Tatiana Suarez and Nina about to fight, and they flew Michelle Watterson out, you know, to be cage side. And they, I think they really want to push her uh, as a champion. They think she's more marketable. I mean, they'll be looking to 
I mean, they like Jessica Andrade. She puts on exciting ass fights, but um, and I, I, I don't think she's going to be like begging for these like money fights either. Um, but in terms of marketability, she doesn't really speak English. Although she did, in that interview said she was going to take some English classes. I thought that was pretty cool. But I mean, obviously Michelle Watterson has been like Sports Illustrated. She had these documentaries about her like fight mom and stuff. So they really want to push her. And I think they're going to. That's kind of my prediction. I think they're gonna. I, I think they're gonna make Michelle Waterson for uh, versus Jessica her first title defense, and then um, the winner of that will will face the winner of uh, Tatiana and Nina. Which, let's be honest, is gonna be Jessica versus Tatiana. Then, am I right? I mean, just kidding. Don't want to count anyone out before before the uh, fights actually happen. But moving on to a fight that <laughs> is probably playing out the most it's ever going to play out, which is basically on social media. And that is Mike Dolce versus George Lockhart. Now this came completely out of left field. George Lockhart comes on Ariel Hawani show and said, you know, he used to be a fighter, but he's now a nutritionist, you know, very well known. Um, his company Lockhart and Leith um, works with a lot of athletes, uh, fighters and predominantly in the UFC and they, and they they employ a stable of like other nutritionists to help you during fight week. They've got Tyler Minton on the staff who works with um, Daniel Cormier, Max Holloway, um, and then George himself usually works with them. Um, Conor McGregor. Uh, there's a lot of there's a lot of people that use George Lockhart. Um, before him, Mike Dolce was like the only one really. He kind of started the whole thing. Like people weren't really doing. Um, his methods for for weight cutting with nutrition they were just you know basically putting on plastics and and doing the aerodyne in the sauna and just killing themselves which guys are still doing let's be fair but he helps them get down more manageable and honestly i don't even know much about mike dolce's system because uh, i've heard george lockhart talk about it on the on joe rogan's podcast a lot and mike dolce says science i mean it's, it's like weird as fuck but george lockhart comes on and it's so weird George Locker comes on the show, on Ariel's show, and is like, yeah, I'm coming out of retirement. Uh, we've got a fight uh, booked in August in Atlanta for, for, my, for my organization, my promotion, and uh, I want to get one last fight on there. And then Ariel's like, oh, wow, that's interesting. I didn't expect that. Who, who do you want to face? Are, are, do you have any names, or, or are you just wanting to see him get anyone? He's like, well, you know, being a food guy, would love to go against another food guy, Mike Dolce. I really don't like that guy. He's publicly shamed my business. And um, I want to punch him in the face. By the way, that's not a bad George Lockhart invitation if you've ever heard him speak. <laughs> but I just shot my voice. So we'll see how the rest of this podcast goes. And then, so he calls out Mike Dolce, basically. And I did not expect Mike Dolce to respond. Because he's, he doesn't need it. He's doing, he's doing well. He's probably the more successful of them. He's been doing it longer. And he's now moved on from from really working with fighters and now he has his, his own business doing, you know, other, other things with, with fitness and nutrition. And then he goes on he, the next week or, or two weeks after whatever that George Lockhart interview was, Mike Dolce comes on and I'm like, Oh, well this is going to be good. And he went in on George Lockhart. I mean, he went hard. So George Lockhart in his in his interview with Ariel says, "Oh, he calls me no integrity, George or whatever. Oh, fuck him. Uh, that guy's an asshole." And then Mike Dolce comes on. He goes, 
I would never call him no integrity, George. I call him zero integrity, George. And then he just fucking goes off and and just reads him for filth, dude. It was so entertaining. If you haven't watched that, I would recommend watching both interviews because he just goes in on him. And then he kept, I mean, if, if you want to make a fun drinking game, if you're really trying to get drunk, take a shot every time Mike Dolce says zero integrity, George, in that interview. It's like literally anytime it, it, there's cause to mention his name, he says it without missing a beat. He's like, well, you know, my thoughts on Zero Integrity George is that Zero Integrity George really doesn't do anything that Zero Integrity George doesn't want to do. Like, literally, we'll use it in, in the same sentence a couple times. Crazy, right? And not crazy that, like, like after the interview, honestly, like, the interviews that I've, I've heard of George Lockhart, um, I, I like the guy and I like their system. Uh, <laughs> and, and when I saw Mike Dolce on The Ultimate Fighter, I was like, uh, okay. You know, so whatever. Um... And, and it does annoy me too. Like whenever I used to, he doesn't do this anymore too much, but whenever a fighter misses weight, Mike Dolce would go on Twitter and be like, oh, really sucks when fighters miss weight. Like just, just immediately on Twitter just being like, oh, shame. And after that interview, I was like, you know what? I wouldn't mind watching this. But he actually goes on and says, you can't get me out of bed, George. For the kind of money that you're throwing, what is your little measly promotion going to offer me? You want to do this? Let's do it in bare knuckle. First of all, it's a new challenge. I've never done it before. And that, from what I hear, they're putting up money. So that's my challenge, George. And you won't accept it because you're a pussy or something like that. I mean, incredible stuff. Dude, he was coming in hot. And it was weird. Like, it's not something you expect to see. It's a little bit, you know, trading in the WWE territory, if I'm honest. But... I'm all for it. <laughs> I can't get enough. I honestly like from the fact that it hasn't really picked up steam and and you don't see any any of them retorting on social media really. I honestly think it's not going anywhere, but I wanted to talk about it because that really like was riveting as fuck to me. And um you know, Bare Knuckle wants to stay alive. They need to be signing those like those freak show fights that have those that social media beef. Like they're doing with Connor, uh, not Connor. I mean, let's be honest, Connor's involved, but Paulie and Artem. I mean, we'll get into that in a little bit, but Bare Knuckle wants to survive, you know, on their pay per view model, which pay per view is not doing well nowadays. They gotta really step it up and, and sign those quote unquote freak show fights, circus fights. And that that's that's something I'd like to see, to be honest. Because at the end of the day, like I said, after hearing that Mike Dolce interview, I'm, I'm probably team Mike Dolce. But if, if either one of them gets knocked out, I'll probably be happy. <laughs> I mean, that'll be fun as fuck. Moving on, we got some news that came out. Um, Neil Magny was supposed to fight Vicente Luque for UFC Rochester. Um, Vicente Luque looked good. Um, and I think the other guy that, that stepped up, his name Derek Krantz, looked good. But I always think whenever a fighter steps in on short notice... Um, you know, making their debut, and and you're you've been established in the UFC. You got to make a statement, dude. Um, I think Neil Magny did did this against I want to say Craig White or something when he stepped up to uh, to replace um uh, the fighter that Neil Magny's fighting. Like he finished him quick. Like you got to make a statement. Um, and uh, and and it kind of 
wasn't the statement I was looking for from Vicente. Um, just going back to the to recap of last fights, but um, the reason why Neil Magny didn't make it to the octagon for that fight was because um, he had a USADA violation, and with the new uh, procedure, they don't have to the new policy rather they don't have to release it in, unless the athlete wants it to do it on their own, and they did or Neil did in this case um, because he's like I, I don't you know I don't want a lot of my fans you know. The UFC says there's there's or USADA said there was no reason why um, it should have been in there, and we're working to search to find the tan supplement. I mean, Neil Magny is a guy. Look at him. I mean, obviously there's stuff like EPO, which we which we now know about from TJ, um, which is more of an endurance PED. So it could be something like that. I'm not saying it is, but when you think of that, you think of steroids, you think of whatever, and and people trying to bulk up. Neil Magny is like skinny and it works for him, dude. I mean, he's, he's got like an 80 inch reach at 170. Like no one is touching that guy reach wise. And, uh, I think he wants to keep that. I, I don't think he's trying to bulk up. So, um, plus dude, I saw him at, uh, um, I want, I want to sell the fights, uh, UFC 217 and MSG. Um, I was in line with him at will call super nice guy. I was getting pictures with everybody. I mean, Real down to earth dude. So I honestly don't see him being that kind of like guy that's looking for the advantage. Plus Neil Magny, if you don't know, used to be used to serve in the military. Uh, so for me, any like I, I always take it back to like a mental fortitude. Whenever I see guys test positive, like they think they need an edge, and I have an enormous amount of respect for anyone who's ever. Um, served our country in that, in that regard or their country, you know, not just, you know, here in America, but overseas as well. If you, if you want to put, put your life on the line for, for your country, you're the man in my book or the woman and Neil Magny is that man. So I, I really hope we find out what it is. Uh, let's not bury him right now. I mean, if it comes out and he did something intentional, by all means, let's bury him. But wanted to say, let's pump the brakes on that. Uh, Next piece of news I want to talk about. It's kind of a, there's a lot really to digest here. So it came out that Justin Willis um, had been removed from the rankings. He was top 15. I want to say like number 13 or whatever. He was like in the lower part of top 15. And then after his last fight, he lost to Curtis Blades. He was removed from the rankings. And I, I wanted to talk about it a little bit on the podcast. So I kind of wrote it down and I was like, well, that's kind of weird. And then it, the news came out that he was cut and it's not like there's a huge legion of big, pretty fans out there. I mean, there's certainly more people that call him big titty because of fucking tight to Ivasa. And now Curtis blade said it in his post fight interview. Um, there, I would say there's probably more people that call him big titty than actual, like people that are like, yeah, let's go big, pretty. I mean, not, not to be a downer on him, but, um, that said, the guy was like four and one in the UFC or something. I mean, he he only really lost to Curtis Blades, and uh, wasn't super exciting, but would get the job done. And he 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 hits hard. Now he definitely played it safe against Mark Hunt. Um, that fight kind of annoyed me. Mark didn't look like he wanted to be in there. That was his last UFC fight on, on his UFC contract. And um, I guess the story that came out was that they just couldn't reach an agreement you know so they cut him 
So I, I, I guess I hope he gets picked up by Bellator. But I kind of put it in there as a little segue. We, he, he was just released. And someone else, who's not the most exciting but has an excellent record in the UFC that just got released, Elias Theodoro. What the fuck is this? Now, there's a saying in the fight game that's, you're only as good as your last one. And after that last Brunson fight, a lot of you guys were like, oh my gosh. I mean, there were Canadians on Twitter being like, we disown him. We're deporting him. I mean, terrible. But he himself publicly acknowledged. He said, you know, I got I, I, I got, I got by on a certain style and he wasn't willing to play my game. So I got a lot to work on. Got to go back to the drawing board. I mean, he, he was so open about the things he did wrong in that fight. And, and I just I commend him for that. Stand-up guy, dude. One of the nicest people on Twitter. Like, I'm like saying like nice things to his fans and like being a cool guy, but also like funny as fuck. He'll troll people that troll him. He'll troll him back. Really cool. And I liked watching him fight. Um, Yes, that Brunson fight was a little weird because Brunson knew how to deal with it and just stand there. So it's kind of one of those things where it takes two to tango. But his other fights have been exciting, even with the weird style. Uh, Like nothing wrong with that. Like... When he fought Sam, that was the first time I ever watched him fight was when he fought Sam Alvey. And Sam Alvey probably landed like two strikes in that fight. I mean, he was just walking him down, trying to get that one punch KO. And Elias was peppering him with shots and dancing around the whole time. I I was just like, dude, he's got this guy in a trance. He's just like hypnotizing him. So from then on, I've I've been a fan of Elias. And he's been very vocal about wanting to get a TUE for cannabis use for medical cannabis, which, which segues into my next thing. But before I, I get into that, um, you know, I'm sad for Elias, but I hope that someone like Bellator or one picks him up because let's be honest, they fight in places that are less regulated. You know, they don't have USADA so he can use his medicine more. Um, and he can take advantage of his sponsors. The dude's got a lot of sponsors. He has a degree in advertising. So he's got a sponsor with Pert Plus. He's got a sponsorship with, he got a deal with Mattel. He was in this like Rock'em Sock'em Robots promo. Um, you know, making a, uh, he was making a short film about a fighter who gets into to gaming because they're, um, they're on the shelf from fighting. I mean, the guy really knows how to make squeeze all the juice out of the out of the the whole fight game. And somewhere like Bellator, which he actually did fight before he came to the UFC, probably under the Bjorn era, not in the Scott Coker era. But uh, I think they could really use him. And so I want to say, like, sucks for Elias, but I hope we can turn negative into a positive and that it, it it's the beginning of a new chapter and then it'll kind of further. And it, and it really just goes to show like fighters sign your project spearhead cards. I mean, if you don't get a say in stuff like this, you know, shit like this can happen all the time because when this next bit of news dropped, I immediately thought of Elias. So the UFC just announced a partnership with Aurora cannabis um, they join forces to advance CBD research, education, and product development. And I think it's one of those things. And if you read the um, the article, the press release that they put out, it's on UFC.com. It's, you know, a couple of other um, outlets have shared it as well. Uh, 
they're basically doing it all out of the Performance Institute. And so they're working with their athletes there. And I think what they're really trying to do is like make Aurora the new, like the basically the UFC has trifecta meal systems for their meal prep. And, and, uh, you know, with at the Performance Institute, they're trying to make Aurora the CBD of that or, or the, the trifecta of CBD, meaning they're going to have all their athletes on Aurora, Aurora product that they can get for free or a discounted cost or whatever, probably let's hope for free. But the drawback of that is that it's going to cut out a lot of fighters are going to lose money. I mean, go on any fighter social media, just about all of them have a deal with a CBD company. I mean, I was just on uh, Jillian Roberts, Instagram. She has a, a deal with creating better days, CBD, which is a very creative name, CBD, creating better days. I mean, they put out awesome cannabis products, uh, and pure, pure Kana, pure spectrum, Inf- infinity, CBD, MD, all these fire wreck rampage, Bisping, the Diaz brothers. They all have deals with CBD companies, fucking Brian Kelleher, Aljamain Sterling, the list goes on. Those are just off the top of my head. Like you, you think those companies are going to want to, sponsor them when they when they have aurora as, as the ufc's you know premier cbd company so that really sucks dude i mean good for them if they're really doing it because there a lot of good can come from this the aurora i don't know much about the aurora brand with cbd but if they are really doing really putting in the work to to do the research and and getting the fighters on CBD, I'm all for it. I think CBD, everyone should take it. There's so many benefits. Um, you know, head trauma, for one. Inflammation helps you sleep better, to recover better. Like for someone who gets punched in the head for a living, it is so important. And if they are really doing it for that reason, then it's a good thing. But I think it's 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 just part of the UFC monopolizing everything. And when that news broke, I immediately thought of Elias because because him, you know, trying to be the face of of you know breaking the stigma of weed for for the UFC. I didn't think things looked good for him. Like he's out here actually talking about it. And they're like, yeah, well, we signed with this other company, but we're not going to give you a, a, a TUE. So there you go, man. They just fucking made his bed to lie in. And I, and I looked for, I, lo- I looked at, um, you know, because this news broke just before I recorded about Elias being cut. So I looked uh, for Elias's Instagram uh, and, and Twitter. The dude just got the key to the city from Toronto. <laughs> now, it wasn't like this big ceremony like they did with, with uh, Dustin Poirier, but... They sent it to him legit. I mean, he t- there's an Instagram account literally at Toronto Key of the City or, or something like that, City Key, and they sent it to him. There's a whole letter in it. And the the guy's, I mean, he's like a poster boy for that kind of stuff. So I, I really hope that things turn out well for him and, and not that it's just like the end of his, his career because the guy still has a lot to give. Uh, he's in great shape. He does the ring boy stuff. And this is why I think Bellator can really use him because they allow their athletes they'll send king mo to ryzen darian caldwell is fighting kyoji horiguchi again i mean they're doing all these things with michael venom page boxes you know when he's not um fighting mma so 
It's really cool. And I think uh, someone like Elias can really take advantage of that. They'll let him go to Invicta, you know, to, to do the ring boy stuff. They'll probably let him do some pro wrestling, which he's a big fan of. So he might he might want to try his hand in that. The, the sky's the limit for him if he goes to somewhere like that. So I hope it's a good thing. Next little bad piece of news is that um, T- uh, Tyron Woodley is out of the Robbie Lawler fight because um, of a hand injury. So sucks for 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 Robbie Lawler and you think like Robbie Lawler is one of those guys he came from that era like fight anyone anytime any place blah 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 and he never really gave a fuck about opponents but they've offered him replacements and I think he's being strategic I think he knows you know someone coming on a short notice could easily knock him out you know because that you know when you when you come on a short notice you really just got to go guns a blaze and try and get a finish and I think he doesn't want to take any more trauma than he already has which is a, quite a bit. And um, he also wants to be strategic in getting fights that are going to align him you know, to, to fight for the title again. Because uh, they offered him, I mean, RDA threw his name in the ring after he, after he beat uh, Kevin Lee. Uh, I'm sorry, no, he didn't. Uh, Leon Edwards did. I got confused because Leon Edwards then thought he should fight RDA instead if he doesn't get the Robbie Lawler fight. But I think really he just wanted the Ben Askren rematch or the Tyron rematch. So he's not really interested in any of those fights. What sucks about that is, or I mean, I guess trying to turn negative into a positive, they moved JDS and Ganu from, they were originally booked for 239. They moved him to um, headlining that, that card which was in UFC Minnesota. Now, good thing about it, this is we get five rounds. Now, it's not going five rounds, but what that means is if it the knockout doesn't happen in the first three, maybe it happens in the four. And it also, I mean, I know we said this leading into the uh, the Derek Lewis versus Francis Ngannou fight. We're like, oh, don't blink. Guaranteed finish, guaranteed KO. And we all know what happened with that fight, but I honestly don't think that's going to happen because the two the two factors that played into that boring ass fight was Derek Lewis's back was killing him, and Francis Ngannou was gun shy from just having fought Stipe and getting wrestle fucked for five rounds. Um, neither of those things have just happened. He's not. He's not, uh, JDS is in shape, and he's never let injuries prevent him from performance, and. Nganu has really exercised those demons. He KO'd Curtis Blades and Kane, I think both under a minute, back to back. So he's riding a nice uh, confidence high. And um, JDS just knocked out Derek Lewis as well. So uh, the, the, good, the good thing I was going to say is that someone was going down probably even in that three-round fight that they were going to have in 239. Now they're getting more money. Uh, they're going to headline a pay-per-view. There's more media. Uh, so... That's a silver lining for those guys. And it makes that card a little more fun. Not that I wouldn't have loved the the, the Tyron and Robbie uh, rematch because I think that fight ended too quickly the first time and I kind of wanted to see how it would play out again. But this is also a fresh matchup. And you guys may remember, or you may not, they were booked. And I think this is also like we're getting this fight at the right time because they were booked for UFC 215, I believe, in Edmonton. 
And it was right after JDS got knocked out by Stipe at UFC 211. And I remember when they booked that fight, I was like, oh my God, they're trying to kill Junior Dos Santos. <laughs> I mean, he just got he just got knocked out by Stipe. And now you're putting him against, at that time, the scariest knockout artist in the division. Now, granted, J- JDS is a knockout artist of his own. He's put many guys away. But I just thought like right afterward, it's too soon. But what ended up happening there is that JDS had a USADA violation. It's trying to be a tenant supplement. He only served eight months, blah, blah, blah. But he's come back since then against, I think, Blagoy Ivanov and uh, Derek Lewis. I'm, I may be forgetting another one in there. I'm not sure. But um, he's looked good. And I think we're, we're getting this fight at the right time. So that should be a really fun fight. Now, speaking of KOs, Sage Northcutt got KO'd in his debut for one championship and now has to have facial surgery. And this sucks, but I want to talk about it for a few reasons. One is that, I mean, true Sage fashion, he's like smiling, giving the thumbs up in the picture, like, broke my face in nine places. I mean, <laughs> terrible. Um, but uh, doesn't look any worse for the wear physically, like whatever they did to do that surgery. Uh, didn't leave a lot of scarring. I mean, the guy still looks like a fucking underwear model. And, um, not that I love the fact that he got KO'd, but, um, obviously I, I don't want to relish anyone's demise, especially someone as like nice as Sage, but a lot of Sage haters were like celebrating us. And I was like, oh, come on guys. But what I do like about it, the fact that he lost anyway, not, not just the fact that he got KO'd, but, um, it really shines a spotlight on other promotions. Uh, because when, when someone, when another promotion signs, the UFC, a lot of people are like, oh, they're not as good, you know, and they're expecting them to just wipe through the competition. Uh, but what look what happened with Eddie Alvarez and now Sage, both in one. Other organizations have good talent, which leads me into, you know, I think the UFC should should try and try and do cross promotion. That to me. Going back to what we said at the top with fighter pay, I mean, that'll help it a lot. There'll be more opportunities. They'll cross-promote. And um, we'll get to see more action. Lost my train of thought a little bit. I just got a, um, a message from someone on Twitter trying to, trying to get on the podcast. But... Never mind about that. What I want to talk about now is Polly spitting on Artem. S a bitch. I mean, this is the most bitch move you can do. First of all, it's also the most disrespectful. Like, think about spitting on someone, right? Like, what you're saying is you're not good enough for me to hit or to or use my words against you. I'm gonna take the fucking saliva from my mouth. Well, it's fucking bacteria and just spit on you. Like that's like saying like, you're nothing. So if you think about that, it's, it's, it's pretty gangster in that way, but it's just, it's just a bitch move. And what you're doing is you're turning Artem into the, into the baby face. You got Polly just acting like a complete asshole, right? He's like trying to hit him with the microphone and, it came out that 
they're not really going to fight bare knuckle because the fights in Florida and the Florida commission is not about that bare knuckle life. And so they have to fight these weird ass gloves that are like, I think they're probably four ounce, but they're not the traditional four ounce gloves we're used to in MMA. They're like boxing gloves, but with a fucking little hole cut out where the knuckles go. And it's weird. And it makes me think, going back to Polly being bitch, that I think he wanted to fight in Florida because he knew the commission. I mean, this is just me speculating here. Um, I don't have the inside knowledge on this, but I started to think about this when I was when I was reading that um, article about the the gloves and the the Florida Commission not being about it. I'm like, well, Polly has a house in Florida. Not only that, he has been boxing for a long time, or not just boxing, being involved in the sport of boxing, not just as a competitor, but as a commentator and analyst. So he knows, I mean, he's damn knowledgeable about boxing. Whatever you want to say about him, he knows his shit. And I, <laughs> you got to think like he knew that. Obviously, he didn't need to ever need to know whether or not the commission would sanction a bare knuckle fight. So so that I'm, I'm really kind of reaching here. I know that, but... I'm not going to let the truth get in the way of a good slam. And Polly is definitely a bitch. Like, we talked about it last time, or a few weeks ago, whenever whenever it came out with it, when it, that uh, whole altercation they got in Rumble held him back. He's like, I got in your face to promote. Don't come in here. You're leaving a body bag. I mean, he just sounds like a little chihuahua just just yelling at him. I really hope, and, and just to bounce off the, the gloves... To, to, to piggyback off that, I really think the gloves favor Pauly. Uh, like, it basically turns into a boxing match, which it, it was like bare knuckle boxing is already like more boxing, but they have sort of modified rules and they can't really, you can't really collar tie with gloves. So I don't really know what they're going to do that's going to make, that's going to give anything an advantage to Artem. I really think the gloves favor Pauly. So, uh, so add one more to the L's for the goat. Yeah, it sucks. I'm like speechless because I just I I can't believe that they're like going they're going through with this. It's bare knuckle fighting, but the, but they're not bare knuckle. Like call it something else. Like obviously you're not going to change the name of your promotion, but say, all right, this is a this is a a fight. Like the only reason they made those gloves. With the thing is so they could keep the name bare knuckle and have it be like a it's it's a straight gimmick. But moving on from that, we got some fun fight announcements. But before that, um, or kind of leading into the first fight announcement, I want to talk about is that um, after his fight with uh, Jose Aldo, Alexander Volkanovsky was hospitalized for a blood infection, and uh, he had to go to Chile. And I, I'm not going to lie, going back to like, you know, what I just said, I'm a bit of a conspiracy theorist at times. So my first reaction was like, oh, maybe the Brazilians poisoned him. (laughs) Maybe that makes me an asshole. Maybe that makes me an idiot. But I was just like, oh, man. But um, it looks like he's he's been released now. He's he's doing well. He was able to fly home, I believe. Uh, he just had to go through like some procedures and then take him some medicine. So the timing is right because I, I was hoping he was going to get the title shot after that last win, 
But they announced that Max Holloway versus Frankie Edgar is happening for UFC 240 on July 27th. Now, July is my birthday month. And I love this fight. So I feel like I'm getting an awesome fucking birthday present with this. Obviously, I'm a Jersey guy. I love Frankie Edgar. But um, Max Holloway is also one of my favorite fighters. And I favor him in that fight. So I think it's going to be a really good fight. Um, but I thought Alex deserved it more. But And then Alex, you know, before he, he was hospitalized, he had made the case that, you know, he should get it over Frankie. But then when the the news came out, he was already in the hospital. And he kind of was like, well, that sort of is like pouring salt in the wound, you know, but then he kind of realized, you know, maybe the timings right now, maybe, maybe we'll get to fight, you know, in Australia with Max, um, and they can be on the, like the co-main for the, um, Whitaker versus Adesanya fight, which would be amazing. And I, I hope that plays out now. That's also, that's like assuming Holloway wins. Because I think if Frankie Edgar, I mean, Frankie Edward doesn't give a fuck. He's another one of those OGs, like anytime, any place. But I also don't think Frankie is the kind of guy, like, he's a legend. He deserves more respect than to go to someone else's um, home turf for a title defense. Um, and be like, fuck that. Come to Jersey. Which, if they do that, I'm going. You better believe I'm going. Uh, you kidding me? Frankie Edgar fighting in Jersey. I'm going. Um, watched him fight Cub at Atlantic City. It was awesome. He got a huge pop. Like he, they weren't even the main event, and he got um, more fucking applause than the main event. It was crazy. So, w- well wishes to Alex. I hope he he heals up, and then um, best of skill to both Max and Frankie. Let's let's give us a barn burner. Um, speaking of birthday presents, Roxanne Modafferi is fighting Liz Carmouche. UFC San Antonio, July 20th. Now, you guys know Roxy's my favorite fighter. Talked about it here. I've talked about it online. I stand Roxy. And I don't even know what that fucking means, to be honest with you. People say that like, oh, I stand this, or Connor stands of the wars, whatever. I don't know what that fucking means. But all I know is, based on what I, you know, contextual clues, I fucking stand Roxy. You know what I mean? Um, she is absolutely not ride or die my favorite fighter. Um, that said, her biggest asset is is her grappling, and Liz Carmouche is a damn good grappler. She's also the only person to finish uh, Valentina Shevchenko in MMA. This was like back in the day. I want to say like probably in Russia even, like earlier on in both their careers. But it's a tough task. It's a tall order. So um, I wish both those ladies well. I love watching both of them fight. Liz is a fucking beast. Um, She's called Girlrilla for a reason. I think she's even a former Marine Corps um, vet. So... Goddamn. I'm getting nervous just thinking about it. I feel like goddamn New York Rick whenever BJ Penn fights. Is that his favorite fighter? And um, he said that he gets like uh, nervous every time they fight. Like, I'm getting nervous thinking about it. I'm like, no, Roxy. Like, no matter what happens, I'm getting emotional. Also on that card, Juan Adams versus Greg Hardy. UFC San Antonio, July 20th. Now, there's one thing I don't like doing on this podcast. It's talking about Greg Hardy. I don't want to give him any fucking airtime, even though I've done it a few times just to say he's a piece of shit. But, dude, Juan Adams is the only one I see in that division 
publicly saying, or really on the roster, because a lot of people in the UFC like don't really say anything. Um, well, some of the females do, and rightly so. But Juan Adams, literally every other post is like hashtag fuck Greg, Greg Hardy. He's like going to the store to get some Twinkies. Hashtag fuck Greg Hardy. I mean, he's all about it. He he thinks he's overrated. He's not about the woman beating shit. I mean, if you don't follow Juan Adams on social media, you should. He's a hell of a guy. Funny as shit. I mean, he did he did that whole um, gender bending Snapchat filter that people have been posting, and he was like, "People ask if I'm doing anything different for my Greg Hardy camp." I mean, dude, that's amazing. That's peak trolling. Can't get enough. Plus, he's a big ass dude. They both cut to get to 265. Uh, Juan starts this cut at, at 300, and Greg Hardy's been finding guys that I think are like naturally weigh in like 240, 250 without cutting. So. I really, uh, I really think Juan can can give him some problems. Plus, but I mean, you all have probably only seen his his uh, fight against Arjun Buller and and myself included. But, or that's not true. I saw the Contender series. But, but yeah, but all his fights before that were fucking uh, knockouts. I want to say in the first round, the dude hits hard, and uh, I really hope he fucking knocks out Greg Hardy. I'm saying it right now. So I hope that's an, a little late birthday present for me. That fight's like three days after my birthday. So a fight that's a few days before my birthday, July 13th in uh, Sacramento. We're getting uh, Sarah McMahon versus Nico Montano. And I wanted to uh, talk about this uh, briefly because Nico Montano is like probably the most hated champion in the UFC What was when she was a champion. Like everyone, like... It's like, I don't know a lot of Nico Montano fans because she, she won the fight, had a great fight against Roxy for, for the inaugural 125 bell after winning tough. And, uh, after that she was like, yeah, I got to fight Valentina. And then she got sick. She had all these problems. She had uh, tonsil surgery, all this stuff. And everyone kept saying, cause Valentina kept posting. Everyone was saying she was ducking her. And I don't know if that's true. Um, but they kept postponing it. And, then the week of the fight, she couldn't make weight. Uh, it was like she had like kidney failure or something. And it really was terrible. So it looks like she's moving up to bantam weight. And I don't know if the UFC is forcing her to or if it's a conscious choice. I hope it's a conscious choice because I hope it means that she's taking into consideration her health and the fact that she had trouble making weight and is now saying, you know what, let me... Um, let me be in a, a more optimal weight class for me and let's give it a shot. Now she's taking on Sarah McMahon, who's a fucking Olympian, I believe even like a silver medalist, I want to say in wrestling. Uh, she's the real deal. So a tough task to make your to debut in a division. And also Sarah McMahon, I, I believe she trains at Alpha Male, so it's going to be um, home turf. So good fucking luck. Wish both those ladies well. Um, and lastly, as far as fight announcements go, um, Deron Wynn versus Bruno Silva for UFC Greenville. Now, Deron Wynn, and I, I'm not, I don't know too much about Bruno Silva, but I do know Deron Wynn is an ah uh, legit prospect. Um, he trains with AKA. He has a similar build and a wrestling background like DC. So um, people like to call him Mini DC, which he does not like, even though he says they're like basically best friends like he's really one of his closest friends but he wants to 
make a name for himself and not be compared to someone else. Uh, but dude, you is one of the best of all time. And, um, also one of the most liked fighters in the roster at the moment, um, unless you're a John Jones fan. So why not? Um, but he does give like weird interviews. He's like, yeah, I'm into wrestling, bro. I'm always in the gym. I'm always at practice with the high school kids, bro. Kind of a weird, um, Cal- you know, nor- Northern California dialect, but he's a damn good fighter. Um, he had a fight with Tom Lawler on the uh, Golden Boy MMA card, and he's like five six, was fighting at two o five, but he's making because he's like in his words, he's like I'm thick, bro. <laughs> he's like he's like thick as hell as far as like his like stocky build. So he's he's making his middleweight debut. I, I guess he used to wrestle like one eighty seven or one eighty eight. Not familiar with those weight classes, but it wasn't exactly one eighty five. It was like a little bit more. So um, he knows he has to to diet and make the weight class. Um, obviously he's going to be using probably Tyler Minton and the Lockhart and Leaf team because that's what that camp, you know, is known for AKA they have a good relationship with them. So, um, I hope he can do it and I think it's going to be a fun fight. So that wraps up for current events. Um, I want to say, um, you guys are awesome on Twitter. Um, I've got the best followers of any, um, podcast. Um, I think just as far as like, you know, people in, in our level, and um i fucking love the interaction i get on twitter from from you guys it's awesome and um speaking of which let's get into these questions all right all right all right let's get right into it i want to start off with the um the voice messages i received on anchor um you can always drop a line uh if you want to record yourself uh, make it the question it's more fun for anyone listening more fun for me more fun for yourself gets the tone of inflection of everything in there you have up to a minute um i tweet out the link uh, from time to time uh so please do that um and have a few this episode which i'm happy to share uh, first one comes from a man chris gangus black This is from Chris Gangus Black. Just wondering, now that you're married, you still allowed to do a podcast? First of all, awesome fucking guy. Um, if you don't follow him on Twitter, look him up. Um, great guy. Um, and the thing I love about these voice messages too is that you can uh, <laughs> you can title it. Like you can send a title with it. And his title is Reppin Asbury. So he's from Asbury Park, New Jersey. Um, not where I live, but very close, like probably a half hour drive. And one of my favorite places in New Jersey, the fucking, it's near the beach. The boardwalk is awesome. Although in the summertime, it's fucking crowded, but, um, they have awesome vegan food there and I'm vegan. So I really appreciate that. They also have like tons of other options and it's also like, there's some parts of it that aren't quite gentrified, so you get the more like urban environment, which is missing from a lot of my part of New Jersey, in my opinion. Um, cool as hell. By the way, Chris, that voice dude, you got to get into voice acting. I mean, that shit is like, hey, now that you're married. I mean, I love that. That's that's so fucking that deep, gravelly voice. Um, we need that in the world. Um, it actually reminds me, I was in Asbury um, the day after my wedding, or a couple days after, uh, with my friends celebrating, and obviously my wife. And we were at a bar um, off of Cookman Avenue, and the bartender sounded a lot like Chris. We're like, uh, how's your day? He was like, fucking terrible. How was yours? I mean, just, just one of those like disgruntled Jersey bartenders. 
Um, to answer your question, obviously, absolutely, I'm here, and we're never stopping. Not until, not until uh, if, if no one listens, I, I probably will stop because otherwise I'm just talking on deaf ears. But while while I'm on the subject of that, you guys are fucking amazing. I'm not, I'm not going to share the numbers I got, but because um, actually they're not like incredible, but relative to, um, you know, um, where I started. I mean, I've grown exponentially. Like my last episode got three times as many um, downloads as, as any of the uh, previous episodes. So um, you guys are fucking awesome. Um, all right, here's the next message from. Um, well, he introduced himself, so let me just just play it. Hey, Aaron, it's your best friend Leo. I'm just have a question for you, as I'm a big fan of him, and I heard through the woodwork that something might be coming up. But apparently, Brian, T-City Ortega, is supposed to be taking a fight sometime in July, which is coming up pretty quickly, but I think it might be showing up on one of the cards there. Who do you think he's going to fight? All right, have a great day. Fight on! Oh, that's my friend Leo from Australia. Uh, he, was in, um, he was in my wedding this past, this past weekend. He was uh, one of my best men. Um, I talked about it on my other podcast, but um, I decided to make all the groomsmen the best man because I didn't want to choose. Um, so he was he was a best man, one of the best man in there. Um, do people from Australia love um, T City? Because my man Smokey J on Twitter, that's uh, one of his favorite fighters, if not his favorite. He's always like, "What's next for T City?" Um, but yeah, I think what he's talking about is the news about. Um, T-City potentially fighting Zabit. And dude, if that fight happens, I'll be most excited for that fight than probably anything else really coming up. I mean, I love watching both those guys fight. And when someone is as dominant as Zabit and, and looking unbeatable and just doing all this crazy dynamic shit, like you're always secretly like just with like him and Khabib you're just always like secretly rooting for them to, to lose like not in a bad way, just in a way of like, all right, now who can beat him? Like that's the only reason to watch a John Jones fight. In my opinion, is like to see who's going to beat him because otherwise he looks unbeatable. And if it's not to beat, I'll be sad. Now give me TCD versus Yair. I could, I could be down for that. Give me some time. But I, feel, I will feel honey-dicked because that, that rumor about Zabit and Ortega has been floating out there for a while. So if that doesn't happen, I'll, I'll know someone's to blame. And I'm going to I'm gonna get to the bottom of that because, first of all, you don't, you don't tease that fight and then not give it to us. So, so what the fuck? Um, by the way, he titled the, the name of that voice message. He titled it, Boy, 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 Boy. Which, if you don't know, is a reference to uh, Chris D'Elia's latest uh, special, uh, which was on Netflix on Comedians of the World. So if you're on Netflix, check that shit out. I'm seeing Chris D'Elia for my birthday. He's coming to Atlantic City, and I'm fucking stoked. Uh, by the way, if you don't listen to Chris D'Elia, you listen to the wrong podcast because I fucking make references to his shit all the time. And also, he's uh, just one of my favorite comedians, so check him out. Um, this is another message from a completely different person. So let's play this. Hey, Aaron, it's your best friend, Leo. How's it going? 
Hey, I got one question for you, all right? Hey, if you could have only one pie for the rest of your life, what would it be? Oh, and I ain't talking about pizza. All right, God bless. Yeah, so that's a different friend I have named Leo. Uh, the other, the other Leo was clearly from Australia, and this guy's clearly from Brooklyn. Um, but they're both good friends of mine. This Leo was also actually in the wedding. Um, I have two friends named Leo, uh, and he, he titled that voice message "Maron." <laughs> Another Crystal Lee reference, sort of. But uh, if I can only have one pie for the rest of my life. And not pizza, I would probably have. Ooh, that's tough, dude. You know, before I was vegan, I used to fucking love banana cream pie. I feel like it was so underrated. Dude, you have banana cream pie and you throw just a little bit of fucking peanut butter on there, you're taking it to the next level. I love that shit. Uh, banana cream pie is so fucking delicious. Yeah, that'd probably be it. Uh,. There's not really any, and I even, I, I found a way to make a, a vegan banana cream pie one time and it was still fucking delicious, probably even better. So yeah, that would be it. Um, unless you're talking about, uh, a different kind of pie, obviously we know the answer to that. Um, not going to talk about it cause that's disrespectful, but, um, keep those voice messages coming guys. They're fucking awesome. And, uh, I love doing them. All right, let's get into these Twitter questions. Now. I put up the bat signal and only a few of you responded, which is fine because I got a like a th- I, got, I got plenty of voice messages and we had a lot of fucking current events, so this is good. Um, uh, Giggsy, I always fucking I don't even know if that's right, dude. G- correct me if I'm wrong. Jig Giggsy G18 on Twitter, uh, that's the name of the name and the handle. Says uh, if you had a one day hypothetical tournament between the top eight lightweights, who wins? I think Tony personally, he would have a different approach every fight, while everybody else has the same game plan. Now, I want to say it was last episode. It could have been the one before, but I'm pretty sure it was because I think it was in the fallout of the Cowboy um, Iaquinta fight. Um, so, so maybe it was two episodes ago. I don't know, but uh, a gentleman, I want to say like the fight god or whatever, proposed uh, a lightweight tournament between I want to say like the top four guys in that division. So this is a different, a little bit taking a step further, but honestly, I kind of agree. Um, now, unless you're including Habib, I think if you put Habib and Tony on opposite ends of the bracket, they'll meet in the finale. I, I, I believe that any, which way you want to draw it, other people on the site, Gaethje, Connor, Barboza, fucking uh, cowboy, Iaquinta, you want to put a Paul, even Paul, throw Paul Felder in there. You want to th- a th- do a top eight uh, lightweight tournament. I think Khabib and Tony come out on top, and we'll never know unless they make that fight, um, which we'll talk about shortly. You know who would win? Uh, I I tend to lean Tony. At least I think he has the best chance of defeating Khabib out of anyone we've seen. Um, well, Dustin has a, has a very good chance as well. You know, let's, let's reserve our judgment for that. Um, but, but, uh, I really want to see that Tony fight. We've been promised that fight so many times. It sounded like a broken record as I took it around this podcast like five times already, but Jesus. Uh, so yeah, I agree with you, Tony or, or possibly Khabib, you know, 50, 50. Now grasp gains says Cowboy versus Ferg, who you got and who do you think the winner deserves? 
Now, someone replied to him, disrespectful, answered it for him, threw in his name and the thing. This is my podcast. I'm going to fucking answer. And that person probably doesn't even listen to the podcast, but whatever. Um, I think Tony takes it, but I would not at all be surprised if, if Cowboy does. And I'll, I'll do a pick, uh, obviously, for um, that episode. That, that'll come shortly in a few weeks because that fight card is just around the corner. But uh, the X factor here is that Tony has been out for a while uh, and um, Cowboy just fought. Now, it is a bit of a quick turnaround, but Cowboy didn't take a lot of damage in that fight. Like when he fought Matt Brown at UFC 206, it was a goddamn war. And then he was like, oh, I heard they need a, a headliner for Denver. I'm down. And dude, it did not go well. He fucking ran right into Jorge Masvidal and ran, Jorge Masvidal knocked him out twice. If you don't remember what I'm talking about, watch that fight. He knocked him out twice. He he knocked him out with one second left in the first round. The bell happened and Herb didn't really have time to stop it. Or he, it looked like he did, but then he said he was just signaling the round. And so he had to get on the stool and get back out and fucking get knocked out again. And it was awful. So what I'm saying is the quick turnaround of Cowboy could be good for him, being that he didn't take a lot of damage in the owl fight. But, dude, it's not looking good. And, and Tony's been in the gym this whole time while he's getting his head right. So I think the layoff won't play too much into it, but on a, on a normal schedule, normal training camp, both guys are healthy. I pick Tony. Um, obviously that's not the case, but you know, I, I think the, the negatives cancel each other out. I, I'm still going to go Tony. Now, Smokey J Mises. You've made a dickload of matchups over the last couple of days for the MMA Twitter peeps, which was fucking awesome. But what's one legit matchup that you just wouldn't sit right with you if it never happened? By the way, terrible Australian dialect, but I always have to do it because I can't read a Smokey J question without fucking trying to imitate that dialect. I will get it one day. And if you want to leave a goddamn voice message, people would actually hear what you sound like. Not that um, that's a problem doing it this way. Don't mind. Um, first of all, dickload. When he when he wrote that first, I laughed my ass off for about five minutes <laughs> because whenever I say that, I always say like shitload, which just means a lot, obviously. But a dick load, that's a that's calm, dude. <laughs> that makes it sound like I was just like coming everywhere, making these matchups. Like, oh yeah, you get a fight, you get a fight, you get a fight. Like I'm fucking the Oprah of of coming and fighting. <laughs> so terrible. Um, by the way, what he's talking about, if you are living under a rock and are not on Twitter, uh, I made a post last like day and a half. Um, I've been fucking matching up everyone from Twitter with random matchups. Like 230 some people replied to this fucking tweet. I said, post a picture of yourself and I'll tell you who I'd match you up with in the UFC. Now, some people thought I was just ba- going to base on a doppelganger, like who I would match you up in that regard. And literally some people thought I was saying who would match you up on the date. Like, people are being weird as shit, but uh, I had a lot of fun doing that. And and my man Smokey J shared the thread and said, "Go go listen to you know read some of these comments if you want to laugh." That was fucking awesome. So I'm glad so many of you guys participated in that. That that was fucking fun. And I actually like made my phone go crazy the first like hours I was doing it. 
to be honest, people are still fucking replying that I haven't even gotten to. Like, that's how crazy this shit was. But to answer your question, I referenced it earlier. What's one matchup that just wouldn't sit right with me if it never happened? Tony and Khabib. I mean, that's like our generations, Randy, Couture, and Fedor. Kind of like those are two people at the pinnacle of, of their divisions, wrecking people, and they're in different promotions and they never made it happen. This is in the same promotion. Come on. You got to make this fight. I don't care how many times it's it's been matched up and not come to fruition. You got to make this fight happen. I don't give a fuck. Announce it the day before the fight if you have to so that we don't know if it, if it you know had gotten pulled out before. If Tony gets by Cowboy, there is no fucking way uh, there is no fucking way they don't make that matchup. Like, are you kidding me? And obviously, it's for the winner of Dustin and Khabib. So I don't want to disrespect Dustin by saying, oh, if, if Tony beats Cowboy, it'll be the Khabib fight because it'll be a title fight. It'll be the winner of, you know, whoever that fight is. But even still, dude, what if Dustin wins and Cowboy wins and then you have Tony and Khabib fight then for a number one contender fight? Dude. I mean, we're gonna. I'm gonna get a little ahead of myself here. Neither of those fights have happened, so let's let's pump the brakes a little bit. But holy shit! And I think we might have some more questions now. In when I was recording that last segment, um, oh, never mind. That that's it. Um, that's all for for questions. Thank you guys again for um, supporting the Twitter and um, supporting the podcast as well. It means a lot. And I can't wait to to break down these, these fights. We're fucking back. The UFC is back in Stockholm. Can't wait. All right. UFC is back in Stockholm this coming Saturday, June 1st. And I'm fucking excited for a couple reasons. One is um, I have surgery on may 31st so i'll i'll be in bed you know nothing with nothing else to do and i'm gonna need these fights to get me through um i don't want to say much on it uh but uh you know and I'm, I'm i'm not a religious person at all like at all but if you are and you want to keep me in your prayers i'd appreciate that um or just you know good vibes in general um nothing's you know I'm not worried about the surgery, but the cover, the recovery is going to suck. So um, I'm looking forward to being in bed, taken care of by my queen, my new wife, and we're going to watch these fights. Open up the main card. We got Sung Bin Jo making his UFC debut, taking on Daniel Tamor. Um, Daniel Tamor, to me, I just know him as the younger brother of David Tamor. And not just. I mean, he's a fighter in his own right, but... David Tamor is the more successful of them. And um, I knew Dan, uh, David Tamor from The Ultimate Fighter. He was the guy that when um, Cody Garbrandt and Conor McGregor were um, going at it uh, with, you know, Andre Feely and and the whole thing where he was, uh, Conor was dissing TJ and the whole um, Dwayne Ludwig situation. They, they, they go, they basically like all the teams like clash and fucking David Tamor was like, take care of your underwears, man. I gonna fuck you. To be honest, to this day, there has not been 
a, tr a line that can be considered trash talk or anything of an insult that has made me laugh more. No one can top it. I, I mean, it could, but it hasn't yet. <laughs> I mean, really. Um, and poor Daniel Tamor, um, he's fighting at featherweight. Um, David fights at lightweight, and they're about the same size. If anything, I even think Daniel Tamor might be a little taller. I think he's the older brother. I think he just is fighting a featherweight so he doesn't have to fight in the same weight class as his brother. So they, they would never be, you know, in contention for a title uh, against each other. And that kind of sucks because maybe he's running into a lot more. Ha I mean, featherweight and lightweight are like the two deepest divisions in the UFC and pretty much all of MMA. I mean, you could throw 170 in there as well. It's really like those three uh, that are just like full of just fucking killers. It's like murderers row, that top 15. And, um, even out of it, you've got killers trying to break into the top 15. And Daniel Tamer has been running into all those killers. I mean, he lost his decision to Danny Henry. And then he got submitted back-to-back -back, rear naked chokes by Julio Arce and Chris Fishgold. By the way, shout out Julio Arce getting it done against Julian Arosa this past um, event at UFC Rochester. I fucking... Dude... Julian Arosa taking my fucking nickname. Are you kidding me? A lot of people are like, oh, you should support him. No. There can be only one Juicy J. And I'm flying the flag, motherfucker. So, <laughs> big up Julio Arce. And so, my point with this is, he seems to be vulnerable to submission. Both, both those brothers came from Muay Thai. Um, they're just straight up strikers. And I think... Sung Bin Jo can give him some problems. The reason I say that, um, obviously he's making his UFC debut uh, from Korea. He's fighting on some shows. Not all of them are on Fight Pass. Haven't really seen him. But he's got a triangle, an arm bar, and two rear naked chokes on his record. It's a kryptonite. Uh, I, I think that could, uh, that could happen. Now, Daniel Tamor's UFC experience could could play a factor in and it's a hometown advantage now i don't always like to look at it in terms of um what if it goes to the judges they'll have the advantage because they they fly in outside judges for the purpose of not being biased but i've talked about it before the roar of the crowd can sway the judges like if something doesn't quite land or whatever and the crowd gets a big reaction they could think it did more damage that kind of thing um however i think the hometown advantage comes in the fact of like energy like he'll be pumped up fighting for his hometown crowd um on the flip side of that though some fighters have talked talked about fighting a on, on a home soil is like um a, a more pressure and that like you have people that are like friends and family and like people you haven't talked to since you were little like hitting you up for tickets like oh come on bro i want to watch you fight and all this stuff um and it can be extra, but I don't think that'll play into to Daniel Tamer's head. That said, I think I'm still going to pick Sung Bin Joe. I think those submission skills are going to give him uh, an edge in the fight. And I think he's he looked at those last two fights going like, oh yeah, I can do that. So, so I'm picking Sung Bin Joe. Again, I could eat my, eat my words. We'll find out. Next next fight, we got Demir Hadjevic taking on Christos Gallegos. Um, 
Demir Hedjevic has a few more UFC fights. Christos, I think, has got three. Demir's got, um, I want to say, like six. Uh, so, so that's to his advantage a little bit. But I'm going to pick Demir. And one of the reasons I am is, is really it kind of comes down to hometown advantage a little bit. Christos actually trains at Black House MMA, which is in L.A. Um, shout out to anyone in L.A. Lived there for nine years. Fucking miss it terribly. Uh, miss all my friends from L.A. Um, really glad to see them this past weekend. But um, I watched uh, Demir Hedjevich fight with uh, Nick Hine. That was at the last, um, one of the last big European cards last year. Um, it was headlined by Anthony Smith versus Shogun. You know, I believe that was in Hamburg. And Demir trains out of Copenhagen, not too far from Stockholm. So he won't have to do too much travel. I mean, obviously he'll have to fly there, but it'll be a shorter flight. There won't be a lot of jet lag. Whereas someone coming from LA is going to have a lot of jet lag. Um, I mean, fighters fight overseas all the time and it's not a problem. I just think that could possibly play a factor. I'm, I'm, that's that's really the, what I'm giving a slight edge. So I'm picking Demir. Um, they're both tough motherfuckers. Um, both have KOs and submissions on their records and um, are both gritty. Christos has got a little bit more fights. Um, I just think Demir, you know, the Bosnian bomber, his fight against Nick Hine, he kind of proved that he can fight to not lose and still sort of put on an exciting fight because that, that was an exciting fight, but they both were sort of like coming off a loss, like looking to not, um, you know, prove, prove a point in a sense, looking, to, looking to not win, looking to not lose rather. No one's looking to not win. Um, so I'm picking Demir. And also I, I like the guy, uh, fight. I think he's a, he's got a gritty style. Someone else who's got a gritty style Chris Fishgold taking on Makwan Amirkhani. Now, Makwan has got an awesome personality. I love um, this guy in interviews and his fighting style. He's Kurdish, but he's from Finland. I think his nickname is Mr. Finland. Um, and he actually trains out of SPG uh, in Dublin with uh, John Cavanaugh, the boys there, Connor and everyone. So I love that guy. However, um, Big up Liverpool. I'm picking Chris Fishgold. And here's why. So Chris Fishgold is like an Olympic caliber wrestler. I don't know if he's ever on the Olympic team for for England, but um, he, he certainly has got those wrestling credentials, and he's shown it. Um, his debut, he submitted fucking Daniel Tamor. Um, but then he, he also knocked out, um, I forget the poor bastard's name, in, in his last fight. And so Chris Fishgold, I think, can really use the wrestling to either set up his hands or to basically wrestle fuck Makwan. And the reason I say that is because I saw Makwan get out-wrestled by Arnold Allen at UFC London a couple of years ago. And he rebounded against Jason Knight. Now, on paper, it says he won that fight. Going back to it, I'm not so sure. It was really close. And there were a couple people that were, were saying robbery. I, I wasn't one of those people initially. Like I wasn't like, oh, he got robbed. But I remember being super close. Like when the, when they were about to read the scorecards, I was like, I really don't know who won. And Jason did get caught a few takedowns in that fight as well. 
um, maybe not quite a few, but but enough to where it seems like he worked in the wrestling, but maybe not as much as he needs to. Again, someone like Chris Fishgold, strong dude as well. He's he's built like an ox, and um, I think that can give Macwan some problems. Macwan's got great submissions though uh, off his back too. So uh, I'm still picking Chris. Oh, let, let's go fishy. I'm picking Chris Fishgold. All right, now we got Jimmy Manoa taking on Alexander Rakic. Now, they are both European. And that's about where the similarities end. Um, Alexander Rakic has got a style that's like, he says he was inspired by Cain Velasquez, actually, about like, you know, Cain having the like super uh, cardio that he does. And um, he wanted to. Uh, em- em- emulate that style and he ha- he actually is like I think a striker by trade but he implements a lot of wrestling because he wants to be well rounded and Jimmy Manoa when he loses he gets knocked out and that's happened twice I think in his last two fights I mean obviously more than that but I'm saying like in his most recent bouts like it's happened in both times and um sucks and alexander rakic doesn't have a ton of knockouts on his record but he hits hard and he pushes the pace and i think he can take jimmy manoa into into deep waters and get a knockout later in the fight maybe toward the end of the third round so that's what i'm I'm thinking will happen there and i could be wrong you know um jimmy had a fucking war with uh jan bachovic or bachowitz or however you say it um but um jan got his hand raised although um Jimmy didn't look terrible, but Jan certainly won hands down. I mean, I think he won at least two, if not three rounds. Clearly at least two, but I'm saying, you know, pretty dominantly. Um, But Rakic has looked phenomenal, and he's an exciting prospect at light heavyweight. So I'm really, like, hoping he wins, but I also, I think he's going to. And I like like Jimmy. He sounds like a fucking character from Snatch, (laughs) that Guy Ritchie movie. So I'm a big fan of Jimmy Manoa. But, uh... Taking a step back unbiasedly, I think I think it's going to be Alexander who gets it done. Um, now, Alir Latifi is fighting Volkan Uzdemir. Alir is Albanian by birth, but he was raised in Sweden. So he reps Sweden. He trains with Alexander Gustafsson. And um, Volkan trains in Florida with Henry Hooft. And I think he's now moved there full-time. But he's from Switzerland. So they both have a European background, but... Um, in terms of what you know, whose territory it is, it's definitely Elias. And Elias, I pick him against most guys. He's tough as shit. He's got amazing wrestling. He can rag all those fucking guys. I mean, if you watch his Instagram, dude, he does like workouts where using like other people as like barbells, like. He he he's deadlifting all fucking day, and then he'll do these things things where he'll take this guy who's in like a almost like a plank, but with like like in a teepee situation where they're like you know their ass sticking up in the air, and he'll he'll like get him in a body lock, wrap his arms around him, and pick him up and uh, like flip him a couple times, and that's a workout. I'm like, dear God, this guy is a fucking animal, and he's like five ten. He's like he's built like DC, but more muscular, almost like like a Yoel Romero type, like that short, stocky, bald wrestler type. And Vulcan's 
definitely got the reach. And Volkan showed that he was working on his wrestling in his last fight. But I don't know if it's going to be enough against Alir, who fucking hits hard too. He doesn't just use his wrestling. Uh, Alir's legit. Um, I don't think Volkan was like overrated, but I think he got a quick path to the title and that it kind of like, like if, if we saw more of a slow build, he would have ran into Alir before he got to the title. And, uh, and maybe Alir could have spoiled that party. So it sucks because his teammate Gus just fought for the belt. So he's thinking, you know, Gus is trying to get a win to get back on track, but Alir is maybe only one or two wins away from the belt. So I think Alir can can do that, and, and, and it might spoil the plans for his teammate, which is unfortunate. Now, speaking of which, Alexander Gustafson is taking on Anthony Smith in the main event. And I've been gone, gone back on this for a long time. I mean, this for me was was sort of like, cowboy and owl where i was like i really don't know and um and both guys are so talented and they both have good cardio and um they both you know can can put on a pace and put the pressure gus looked phenomenal against glover and then sat out for a little over a year like almost a year and a half actually and then he fought um jones and to be honest like I thought Gus was going to give John's problems. I thought Gus arguably won their first fight back in Toronto, UFC 165. But Jones showed that the Jackson Wing camp really, really knows how to take advantage of a rematch and um, take what they learned from the first fight and implement it. I mean, he really shut Gus down to the point where it looked like Gus really didn't get his offense going. And I don't think that was a testament to Gus looking bad. I think that was a testament to Jones looking good. Um that said, Anthony Smith went the distance with um, with Jones. So if you want to if you want to use MMA math and, and go off of that, you would think Anthony Smith would win. And I had a little bit of a back and forth, or rather, made them have a back and forth with the with the dudes at uh, MMA Marks. Um, shout out to that podcast, Buddy and Ricky. I think I talked about them last podcast too. Um, I I I left them a message that they played on their last um, show. If you want to listen to it, and um, it caused. Then they go back and forth for like five minutes about whether or not Anthony Smith has heart. And let me tell you something. If you think Anthony Smith doesn't have heart, you listen to the wrong podcast. Uh, and it might not have been the best display of it against Jones, but come on. My argument was this, and I, and I said this to those guys. A guy with no heart doesn't keep going after an illegal knee. He would have taken that DQ win. And dude... Anthony Smith is a true, true fighter. He's a fighter's fighter. And, and after that, you know, he, he, he was very open in his interviews. He's like, I got to go back to the drawing board. I got to fix what I need to work on. I didn't pull the trigger. And I think he's going to come out guns blazing. So I, I can really see him getting it done. But I think on the record, I'm going to pick Gus. And, and here's why. Alexander Gustafson. Uh, Alexander Gustafson, when he lost to... Um, Rumble and DC. He next fought Jan Blachowicz, Blachowicz or whatever, and he fought a very safe fight. And even in the interview, he said, "I needed to get a win. I needed this win to get back on track. You know, get my confidence." And I think at this point, that's what he's looking for. 
And I think the experience in five-round fights and the IQ of Gus is going to play a factor in here. And I think um, Anthony Smith had a little bit of a problem with Jones's reach, which Gustafson almost matches. And so for those reasons and the hometown uh, advantage, I'm going to pick Gustafson. Now, I'm well aware uh, he had the hometown advantage on Anthony Johnson and got knocked the fuck out. So... There's that, but all, but also that's just because Rumble knocks everyone the fuck out who isn't DC. Um, so I'm gonna pick Gus. I could very well be wrong, but just to recap everything, I've got Sung Bin Joe defeating Daniel Tamer, Demir Hadjevic defeating uh, Christos Gallegos, Chris Vishgold defeating Marco Amerikani, Alexander Rakic beating Jimmy Manoa, uh, Lil Latifi beating Volkan Ozdemir, and. Alexander Gustin beating Anthony Smith. And I hope the UFC does not fucking lie on their website like they have in the last few fights to where uh, fights get rearranged and, and I don't pick the wrong... Because I want to only do the main card for now. It's what I have time for. I like to be succinct and it gives me more time for other shit like the current event stuff, which I love doing. So, um, yeah, I... I, I I don't want to talk about. It. I want to put my eyes. Let's just hope. Let's keep our fingers crossed. This card stays intact, and I will see you guys on the other side. Uh, thanks again for all the support. Please follow me on Twitter, which is probably how you heard about this podcast. Anyway, uh, FWM underscore Pod. Same handle on Instagram. I'm not active on Instagram. I'm a lot better on Twitter. But if you're on Instagram, give your boy a follow. You know. Drop me some nudes. Just kidding. Don't fucking do that. Um, but, uh, oh, and you can always send, send me an email, fightingwithmyselfpod at gmail.com. Uh, you guys are the best. I love you. And uh, good night and good fights. <laughs>